Welcome. Welcome to Know Your Roles, the podcast where we talk about all things pop culture and make silly comparisons. We talk film, TV, sports, music, and more. And we talk to some interesting guests in the process. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Kleinman, and this is my co-host, Mr. George Payton Gordon Sumner III. Take it away, George. Thank you, Dave. Uh, again, these get better every week. So shout out to you, <laughs> Dave. I'm really excited about this episode we got. We got our, we got one of your friends, uh, the very talented actor and star of your film on the way north, Sebastian Beacon. I have friends. You got friends, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple of friends. <laughs> Three. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna be talking about soccer players and period dramas, but before we get to that, how are you doing? We have to sound the fucking alarm bells because there's a cream cheese shortage in New York City. I don't know if you've uh, heard about this, George. I don't know if our listeners have realized this yet, but they probably have. This is the life we're living in now in this country, (laughs) that like every week there's going to be a national shortage of something. The cream cheese shortage, I think, is funny. You know, being a Jew, it's something that's important to me. Um, My appeal is to the fucking guys that work at the fucking bodegas and the diners and the whatevers, and even some of the fucking fancy bagel shops that put Four times as much cream cheese as you need to on the fucking bagel. I like a lot of cream cheese. I like a lot. The whole surface has to be covered on both sides, but it doesn't need to be like overflowing out of the sides. So yeah, cream cheese shortage, you can blame uh, supply chain issues. You can blame whatever, but those fucking bodega guys, like they need to conserve, <laughs> conserve, bro. Like it's where li- that's the time we're living in. Okay, George, how, uh, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I survived a week with my college roommate. A couple weeks ago, and I'm currently surviving a week of bartending, which I bartend every day. I'm trying to think which is more painful, drinking with my friend of 25 years for five days or serving drinks to people for five straight days. And I think they're neck and neck. One hurts the knees, the other one hurts the liver, but I think I'm going to be okay. At least one is more fun, though. Like, they're both pain, but the fun quotient is the way different <laughs> i mean i love jason cutter my my college roommate and uh but by thursday i was like you need to get the fuck out of my town <laughs> <laughs> fair enough yeah we're not 21 anymore no it was like i know this was out 19 i was like we're not even we're not even 20 i was like i don't do this <laughs> <laughs> all right george uh what do you say we go to the bar dave today on bar talk we've got paul thomas anderson's licorice pizza followed by winning time the new hbo series that comes out March 2022, and finally, 60 songs that explain the 90s, the Spotify podcast. Dave, let's let's start with uh, Licorice Pizza. You have some thoughts. What'd you think? Well, I saw it, as you did as well. It's out in New York and LA, and then it'll be wide Christmas Day, I believe. Well, without like giving too much away or saying too much, I liked it. I thought it was a pretty good film, and it's really beautiful to look at. George, as I'm sure you're going to mention, but you said the soundtrack is incredible. It's paced very well. It moves very well. I personally, it's gotten a lot of hype and a lot of love critically. I, I, which I think it, you know, partially deserves, although personally, I, I don't put it up in like my favorite of his films yet. I mean, I, I would like to see it again, honestly, uh, and process a little bit more, but it definitely had, you know, some moments there was, I've read something. I wish I had it right in front of me, but I read something that was describing Paul Thomas Anderson at certain moments of being 
too much and not enough at the same time. And that kind of like made a little bit of sense to me with this movie because it's a little, there's some self aggrandizing moments in it, but it is, it is very captivating. And Alana Haim, everything they're saying about her is, I, I agree with, she's a star on camera. She's magnetic and Cooper Hoffman is very good. Yeah. I, what did you think, George? I, I know you said a little bit to me, but we haven't really gotten. Yeah. It. I don't, I don't, I don't put out what I'm going to put on the podcast over text. So I like to keep it fresh. It's more interesting. <laughs> um, um, now that I've had a couple, oh, I guess a week to sit with it and uh, and listening to Paul Thomas Anderson on a podcast talk about music and uh, the, the San Fernando Valley in the seventies, I actually like it more now. And I, if you look at it and the way I looked at it when I was watching it, it's just one guy's just a bunch of stories that he's telling It's like, here's the story about the time that I was arrested for murder. Here's a story when I, in which I met John Peters, who I thought was a crazy person. Here's a story in which I hit on that, the, this woman at a, uh, uh, on picture day. And I think if you look at it like that, it's like, here's another story. Here's another story. And here's another story. And I just find that to be way more interesting I, as a movie as itself. I guess it's not really like a, like a singular thing. I think it's just a series of stories in which this guy is like letting his, letting sit on this world. So I had a good time. And again, the soundtrack, um, uh, listeners, you can turn this part off for just a second. Any soundtrack that's got, let me roll it by fucking wings. I'm, I'm already going to be aboard on board. So, so shout out to Paul Thomas Anderson, but putting a bunch of very cool songs in a movie. I like that George's spoiler alert is what songs are in the movie. <laughs> I think most people are probably okay with knowing that. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. I think there's moments of of real beauty and great filmmaking that that we're used to from from Paul Thomas Anderson. And like it's a very well crafted, it's a extremely well crafted film. Uh anything else before we move on, George? Anything else you that was uh you how did you like the performances? No, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna see it again. So I it's like it was kind of cool watching 70 75 millimeter, and I'm gonna see it again when it comes out to right 70 millimeter, yeah. That 70 I, millimeter, yeah. Worth, worth totally worth it. Um, but what did you think of you know the because we haven't really seen uh Alana Haim or Cooper Hoffman in, in roles like this before or roles really. So what did you think of them, just briefly? I like the fact that the two of them aren't actors are known for acting, so it when they're when they're talking to each other it felt a little bit more real than say a very polished 15 year old and a very polished 22 year old doing reading those same lines uh, i found that to be very very fascinating it's like just like do it this way it's like no so shout out to paul thomas anderson for for making that choice because like the other actors are are really good but i like the fact that dc people aren't actors who are playing against yeah. them and they have a real there's a real chemistry there is yeah. definitely a real chemistry. All right. What's next, George? What do we got? The teaser for winning time, the HBO series. So Dave, what'd you think of that? I watched that just this morning. I, this is the first time I knew it was existing. Um, it's based on, I guess the book from the nineties. Mm -hmm. Is that, that when it came out? Uh, that's also called winning time. I, I think, right. It's about the showtime Lakers. I feel like it's winning time. It's like a longer title. Okay. Well, anyway, it's about uh, the Lakers, of course, of the 80s, led by Magic Johnson. Yeah, I, honestly, as soon as I saw Adrian Brody is playing Pat Riley <laughs> and uh, John C. Riley is playing uh, Jerry Buss, the, the architect, the owner of the team who drafted Magic and, and kind of made them into to that uh, dynasty in, in the 80s. And yeah, it looks it looks super exciting right up uh George and mine's alley, so to speak. Mm -hmm. What what's uh, I know you love you love magic being a being an eighties baby and or late seventies baby, but uh, um, 
Oh, I love I love magic. My uh, the only thing that like kind of bums me out, and this is like a very specific thing, is like uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell had a falling out because of the casting of because Will Ferrell wanted to play uh wanted to play uh, Dr. Jerry Buss. It was like he was very candid in an article. I was like, I'm 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 there for whenever anybody's candid in an article. He said the reason why their their beef came from the fact that that he wanted to play uh he wanted to play Jerry Buss and like he was like oh, I don't know. So you got John C. Riley, and they, they haven't spoken in like two years. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. And they were they were in a production company together, so that kind of bums me. Yeah, up. they were like that. They're, they're, wow. they're like pals. Yeah. And it's and he gave it to John C. Riley, who's like buds with Will Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. So hey. wow. I mean, to be fair, John C. Riley looks great in it as as Jerry Buss with the fucking mustache. And Absolutely. Cool. It looks entertaining. I'm excited for it. I think that comes out in January, I believe. Uh, I think it's it's uh, producer Mary Best is March twenty twenty two. Never mind, comes out in March. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's a. It was just a teaser, you know, announcing it. And it's based on the book Showtime: Magic, Kareem Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the nineteen eighties, written by Jeff Perlman. Oh, sweet, awesome! Jeff Perlman, a master at getting those candid interviews from fucking athletes. I mean, the stuff this guy's gotten people to say on the record is crazy. Mm-hmm. All right, George, what do we got next? What's the last thing on on the bar? Finally, a podcast we both have been enjoying. There's like must see TV. I guess there's must hear podcast. I don't know. Must listen podcast. Sixty songs to explain the '90s. The Spotify podcast from the Radio Network, hosted by Rob Harvilla. Early on, I thought he was pretty good at this. Now he's really getting his comfort zone, and he's just busted out some humdingers. Last Wednesday's episode was smooth, a song that everybody has heard. And things that I'm learning about songs that I didn't even, don't even like are just like, first off, it's like smooth is the number three selling single of all time. <laughs> I didn't know that. Insane. <laughs> we buy some stupid shit. Um, but, I mean, I bought that album, yeah. so I'm calling myself at that as well. <laughs> put, your, put your lights on my Everlast. It's pretty good. No, it's just like, and I find my favorite parts of the episodes are, or some of the episodes I listen to are, are finding out things about songs that I didn't actually in, like at, at the time. And I'm like, wow, this is like, that's, he just made a very, very compelling, like interesting thing about uh, Wannabe by the Spice Girls. It's like, I couldn't wait to listen to that song after listening to that episode. So this, this is one of my favorite podcasts. Every Wednesday, go to the gym. Bang it out. I, I love this podcast. Dave. Yeah, I agree. You told me about it, you know, a few months back when he had kind of just started. And I I mean, he had he had already had when I got to it, he had already had like a, quite a few episodes. Um, So I was kind of like cherry picking for a while of like the songs that I really liked and like what I was listening to in the 90s and stuff. And like, so we haven't really explained, but what he does is he takes one song, but he tells such a complete story about like the time period and like what was going on also like the history of the musician and mm-hmm. he gives such amazing context he's also very funny and likable and, and like pretty responsible in how he like speaks about everyone he really does an incredible job like i said of putting things in context in the proper mm-hmm. in the proper context uh and to your point george Yes. After I went through all the ones what were like songs and artists that I love, like I started to go into songs where I was like, I fucking hate this song and I don't want to hear it. But I've he's so good at it that, yeah, I as well. By the end of it, I actually want to hear the song. And I've learned Mm -hmm. so much about like just like, you know, he covers 
everything, everything that was happening culturally at the time and like where, what the words mean and also just like silly shit. And like, he'll make a fart joke and at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, he, uh, yes, I, I highly recommend it as well. Um, 60 songs that explain yeah. the 90s. It's one of the, the few podcasts that I actually listened to more than once at an episode. The Hey Jealousy episode is fucking awesome. The Vogue episode is fucking awesome. The CNC yeah. Music Factory episode is fucking awesome. So. Yeah, they're all. It's they're I all agree. Really There's a, like a Tribe Called Quest album that I or uh, episode that I had listened to like early on that was great. The the smooth one. Uh, oh wait, the Oasis Wonderwall episode is is great too. Yeah, can't go wrong. All right, sixty songs. I would say uh, I think that does it for the bar, George. What do you say? Absolutely, we are all tapped out. Let's go talk to our buddy Sebastian. All right. Here is that. The usual kind of end of the year. Did that really just happen? Should, did I miss something? How are we in December? Kind of feeling settling in. And uh, of course, the uh, the dreaded uh, stay inside, lock your doors. SantaCon is back today. Yeah. It's today, yes. You're not yeah. working today, are you? I am not. Okay. No, <laughs> I am not working today. Erin gets back. She's been, you know, she, my partner's been in LA for three months. So she's back this evening. So it's the perfect excuse to just lock the doors and stay inside. Awesome. That's exciting that she's getting back tonight. I know. I know. Finally. Hopefully she can avoid any Santas on the way in. I hope so too. I hope so. Like I, I, I was, you know, doing my, uh, my good New Yorker diligence, uh, checking it where it is. It's supposed to be mostly Midtown. So that should be okay. She's flying into La LaGuardia and because of where we are, she might be able to just, you know, pop over the Winsburg Bridge and avoid all of that. Fingers crossed. But there is, for some unknown reason, three spots on in the East Village which are officially signed up. So For, for George and, and Mary Bess, uh, both Sebastian and Aaron have had their share of Santas. Uh, they both have bartended as well for, for years for various uh, points. Yeah. My heart goes out to all of you. All of you. <laughs> I know. You, you know what? It, it used to be. I used to work in a in a Mexican spot in the West Village. So Cinco de Mayo used to be the you know that you know, put your head down and just get through it and just think of the uh, two days off that you could have afterwards while your body put itself back together. That used to be the day, and then uh, that's got uh, fully overrun by by SantaCon every year. It's just as i'm you guys i'm sure you know it's just i just i want to ask why why like why none of us can answer that question because <laughs> please tell me why because I'm, I'm not having this charity uh donation nonsense no 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 <laughs> i think if i'd been 21 years old from hoboken and Dave Matthews was my favorite band you could probably convince me <laughs> to go to santa con <laughs> I would have been like, that sounds rad. <laughs> what are we wearing? Under the table and drinking, yeah. buddy. Yo, yo. Exactly. Think, yeah. <laughs> you said wow. it's spot on. I, you know, I, I've been needing something that specific, yeah. George, to be able to explain it to, you know, the rest of the planet when, mm-hmm. when I complain about it. Um, yeah, my, uh, my brother and sister-in-law and my, my eldest niece arrived a few years ago for Christmas it got out of this, out of uh, Grand Central Station, and it happened to be the evening of SantaCon. And they've got the, you know, sh- my niece was like three years old at the time. They step out into a snowy, 
Lexington Avenue, New York at Christmas. And the first thing they see is some dude in a Santa costume with his pants down to his knees, face plant into a deep slush pile and then throw up on himself. And, and it was literally, it was just like, welcome to New York, guys. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Welcome to New York. Welcome to New York. It's the, the one day of the year that like we're just ashamed to be in New Yorkers. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like George said, most of those people are probably from fucking Hoboken anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'll just share for our listeners and for George and Mary Bess, uh, how Sebastian and I know each other. We are, uh, I, I would call you a, a good friend. I would, I would hope you would, David, please. But we actually have like a, uh, a meet cute. It must've been like three in the morning, something like that. I had no customers at all. I was kind of just cleaning things and about to cl- basically close. And Sebastian and Aaron came in. Sebastian was like very coy. And I think like you came in and you were like, do, do you want company? The way that you asked it and like your guys vibe made me know that you guys understood what was going on. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yes, I do. And then, you know, next thing comes, I, I'm playing Leonard Cohen and Aaron is like, oh, you're fucking killing me with this Leonard Cohen. And, uh, yeah. you know, here we are five years later, all good friends. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's because it was, you know, it's the three in the morning thing and, you know, you had to be open till 3.45. You weren't allowed to close, but some, some bartenders are like, you know, I'm done. I'm just doing stuff. But other guys are like, will you please like, yeah, I don't know you, but let's have a conversation and it, present yourself as a, as a as a good human being and things should generally work out yeah um but with the with the like the years and years of bartending experience between us it's the just ask like don't ex, don't assume that you want companies like do you want company or are you done like we can just go home it's three o'clock in the morning nothing great is happening except we got a friendship out of it so there well and yeah and that's actually uh that's that's exactly the vibe that I was reading, you know, I, like I would have I don't know if I would have said it was also just like the that question of like, not like, are you open or like, can we come in? It's like, do you want company? And I actually yeah. like I considered it, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, it wasn't until months later that I even mentioned to you that I like was a writer and did film. And then, you know, several years later, we were able to work it out where you acted in something that I made, which is yeah. awesome yeah yeah but yeah it was the bar it was the bar thing that brought us together at first it wasn't the um the creatives it was definitely like our our shared bar experience and uh you know uh bar knowledge of of just how to behave yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. wallace uh agrees wheels wheels that's over here dude <laughs> i don't know I, I think our listeners can tell that you probably didn't grow up in New York City. True story. True story. Can you take us through how you started acting in the UK and then came over to New York City? Sure, sure. I, I you know, I, I was, um, I was very lucky growing up, uh, and uh, I had a lot of opportunities at high school and at university. I was at university in Edinburgh, and there was always a theatre nearby. There was always a theatre program. We always had great access and uh and encouragement to to you know to do plays and to uh um to just have fun in that kind of space and uh, my older brother is a is a writer and uh had, you know so i had kind of 
always been encouraging in that world. And so when I left university, I, I applied to drama school in London um, because uh, that was the deal that I'd worked out with my father, which was get the degree and then we'll talk about drama school. So clutching my history degree, uh, I didn't I didn't apply to go straight from university to drama school. Um, I was going to take a year. And instead of just kind of loafing around London and not really doing anything, um, I worked for a few months and then decided on my older brother's advice to come and do a six month course in, uh, in New York at the Lee Strasberg Institute, just to, you know, they had a film and TV aspect to it, which wasn't being taught specifically at London drama schools at the time. And it was like, ah, sounds like a useful piece of, uh, of, uh, you know, of knowledge for, for any aspiring actor. So I came for six months and, uh, been here 16 years now. Wow. Just kind of rolled it on that way. And, uh, because I got, a visa and then I got a social security number and then I got an artist's visa. So I've always been able to be here without having to, you know, get the job under the table that I know a lot of people do. It was always like, as if I can't work as an actor, if I don't have the opportunity to audition or do all that, there's no point being here much as I love New York and feel like it's my home. And, but it's never been forced upon me. Now I'd be like, I would fucking love to go and do a play in London or, you know, do a show back there. And I've done little bits and pieces but you know, it's I'm I'm a I'm a New York a New York actor now very much. You know the networks here, agent, manager, partner, friends, everything. So, so that's the the brief canned history. And uh, I've already said this to you, but congratulations uh, here as well on recently becoming a citizen. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You know, some <laughs> some some mornings I wake up and you know look through my newsfeed and think really this i i chose this and then you know <laughs> and then we uh i i missed unfortunately missed the general election last year because everything got slowed down and that was the plan uh but i i got to vote in the in the new york primaries and then that went that way this this time as well so you know having a vote but yeah. being really american and having a vote and feeling feeling like really so uh, yeah it's been a it's uh, it's great. I'm I'm very happy to be a citizen, be part of it. Welcome to the process. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now you get to vote and still be disappointed. Well, that's the thing. But now and now at least I can vote and yell about it when yeah. it doesn't go right. And I'm like, it's legitimate as opposed to just being on the outside going, I don't know what the fuck you guys are doing, but huh. I mean, I you know, as a as a UK citizen during the Brexit crisis, oh Jesus, like waking up and seeing. They're doing that. I'm here. I don't have a say here, but I, I, this, what? Oh my God. Oh God. Yes. Well, and I'm being a little flip, but I am serious that it is, you know, something to celebrate. And it's yeah. awesome that you like went yeah. through the process and I know it took you, you know, several years and, yeah. and, you know, you have, you've lived here, you know, half your life. So yeah. Yeah. almost getting right. there. Getting there. Yeah. 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 Getting there without not, you know, not quite too much math. But yeah, 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 I'm uh, I'm doing you some favors with the age there. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, massive, massive. Yeah, it's very kind. <laughs> because you've been in New York so long as an actor, and you started over, started over in England. Do you see some of the differences in how Americans prepare for roles and how the English prepares? You know, it's 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 really interesting. There's uh, there's there's a lot of. Um, 
there's a lot of talk about the differences and there is, yeah, I, I do see differences, just the, like the basics of training and the way that uh, English drama schools or, you know, certainly English and even like European schools, like there's a lot of like very technical work that you don't often see necessarily, but, but, you know, American actors are very, uh, one of my friends described it once as, um, you know, without being too method about it, like inside out, whereas a lot of uh, English goes sort of outside in, but we're all aiming at the same thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that, I think there's yeah, there is a basic stage. I'm not. I'm also like I'm wary wary of the like better or worse because it's such a subjective process for everybody. Um, I think I do think there's uh, there's just a little more sort of classical technical underpinning to it to an English process, and it relies less heavily on like moments of personal inspiration um you you can work it it's it, 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 at the end it's it's just like it's grunt work for a lot of for a lot of uh, for a lot of actors it's like it's your own version of grunt work you, you sit down and you do this i know i have friends here who can just literally switch on and it's like you you haven't done any work they've done their process but it looks to me like they haven't done any work whereas i'm you know taking notes, doing research, doing all that. And I couldn't define the difference for you, George, put it that way. Mm -hmm. I couldn't define it, but I do, I do feel a difference. Yeah. There's no better or worse. Yeah. It's only a problem when cut is called, you're still an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's the problem is that like the method is like an excuse yeah. for people to be awful no, I know. I'm. I am here to tell you. Uh, in case you didn't know from your years behind the sticks as well, that uh, no country has a monopoly on assholery. It is. Uh, it is a <laughs> generic human trait as well. So, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> We're jumping around a little bit, but can you tell us about yeah, the last like couple of years for you? I know, uh, you know, and your career, I know hmm. it's been certainly up and down like a lot of us in the arts and, you know, and can you just take yeah. us through that, that journey? Sure. Sure. So um, I was, so in 2019 uh, I was, you know, being a New York actor, auditioning, uh, bartending as well on the side. And uh, I had some work here and there. And then the end of 2019, I uh, I got a role doing um, a show called Hangman with uh, with Martin McDonough, playwright, and Matthew Dunst, the, the director. And it was due to open March the 19th, 2020. So we got to 11 previews. And then Broadway shut down on March 12th. And, uh, and that all obviously went away, you know, industry-wide. Um, and it was tough. Like, the original call was made and it was, we're on a two-week hiatus. And then producers made the call to just officially close the show because there are certain equity rules and stuff for insurance and all that kind of stuff. So they officially closed it because we'd never officially opened. So that the possibility of there being a new to Broadway open still exists. 
but it meant that you know the job was gone so i just kind of you know i mourned and grieved that loss and then uh, my <laughs> two days after that my commercial agents uh just said uh by the way we're we're done we're closed now so i lost all my commercial representation at the same time so that was a rough week of not feeling like there was anything really happening and there were no possibilities i'm very lucky my manager is a, an amazing human and you know she was positive uh despite going through very similar things like all of her clients at the same time but uh you know i did a couple of commercials which was really useful i've uh, i've done a couple of short films uh in the uh in the last couple of years and my partner erin had um, a voiceover gig so she was recording from home which was such a bonus because it felt like at least there was some kind of industry out there you know at least there was a structure to a day like she'd have a session and i would have to keep wheels quiet and uh, she'd be able to be out in we had a home a home studio kit um so i could at least do voiceover auditions when my agents found a new home and that was good it like keeping the mental health in check of just feeling not completely like our lives had fully disintegrated so you know and then zoom plays and zoom readings and and you know new york theater community really coming together and supporting each other and just checking in on each other was was really really helpful and then the bar community doing the same thing of being able to take wheels for a walk and swing by the windows at eastward and wave to um you know to miles and andrew and everyone there or all the way through the neighborhood and realizing like you put your time in at these bars you put your time in behind these bars and people are here to to look out for you which is you know a big reason why we never decided to you know try and do the let's bug out of the city and find somewhere else to live and we we relied on our support network from both the creative side and the bartending side like we we uh, we kind of lived in that and then the last 6 months things have been you know touch wood and uh, in full gratitude things have been pretty good um i got myself a new agent they're fantastic people i've been auditioning uh self taping which is its whole it's a whole uh in it's a whole area of conversation in in and of itself but having the auditions talking to casting directors again and uh and that kind of stuff has been great and like i said my partner she's been out in la making a making a show so things are very very positive for the first time in in a couple of years basically which is really nice to be able to say i think you know yes and I, and not to feel guilty about it either just be like no things are really good it's it's nice you like i i think people genuinely now uh it was always something that you knew and always something that you you said but hearing about other people's successes is so um uplifting at the moment like hearing anybody working doesn't really matter what it is if it's a role that i was up for and i know i know the person who got it instead of me that is so great it's genuinely wonderful and that that's been a nice like reinforcement i think i've noticed that hmm yeah well sorry just coming to realizations in the moment no but there's definitely like some rallying you know yeah. with, that, with every disaster people tend to come together you know at least in yeah. in smaller industries and circles and stuff 
Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, the, sure. the bar industry or the restaurant industry and uh, certainly the theater industry were things that, like you said, basically disappeared overnight. Yeah. We didn't know like when it was coming back or if. Yeah, especially with like being being on a Broadway show when it when we shut down, um, you know, hearing those conversations and then realizing, you know, in a in a macro sense, Broadway brings in more money to New York City than all of the sports teams combined every year. And and it's not just actors, it's wardrobe, hair and makeup, the carpenters, lighting, sound, uh, agents, um, hey, wheels uh, stop. Casting directors, yeah. I mean, he's heard he's heard this rant before. <laughs> is the problem he's telling me to to shut up and get over myself? Um, but it, but it, you know, it, it is. It's like it it's so much around it. And then walking through Times Square, which was weird in that week just before shutdown, you realize all of the street cart vendors gone, all of the you know the bacon egg and cheese and dollar coffee guys losing so much money because yeah the guys who live in midtown sure maybe they'll pop through the bodega once or twice a week but the guys who go in every day for their breakfast sandwiches and coffee and the you know uh the tourists who are there and they're packing into the salad bars and doing all that i was just gone empty dead and it was it was terrifying for a minute it really was um and the old you know because one foot in both worlds that feeling of like oh okay so the show closed ah oh, that's a shame show's closed show closed early that happens cool well i'll just go back to the i know yeah. there's nothing to there's no backup so literally you know literally no backup um it was yeah it was it was kind of it was kind of terrifying um and you know forced uh, forced introspection <sighs> it went okay it went yeah. okay <laughs> And if I may ask, Sebastian, is there any chance or any talk of the hangman being um, revived well, or being put back uh, on? I so I don't I don't know for sure. I would I would hope so. It, it the show was so ready to fly. It was it was you know, and it's Martin McDonough. It was a great cast. They did they did everything right. I know that they uh, were applying for, and I think they did. Uh, I think they were offered a grant uh, in order to bring it back, but there are so many moving parts in order to make that happen. And there's a big backlog in theater spaces, which is why shows are going up and coming down really fast at the moment. Um, and I think producers are a little, still a little like, well, we've had a good season and no, no show has closed down for COVID reasons. So maybe, maybe it's worth it. I, I f fingers crossed that it will come back. I, I hope so. I hope so. I hope to be able to like give good news. And also I hope they'll bring me back too. There's, you know, who knows, who knows. Um, but I, the answer is unfortunately can't tell you for sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm hopeful. Well, we'll keep, we'll keep sending you, sending you good thoughts around that and happy to know that you're, you're taking on new projects and doing so many exciting things otherwise. I well, you know, keeping myself busy, keeping uh, myself <laughs> out of trouble, basically. Yeah. I I get it totally. We're starting to see a little bit of things opening up. Have you been to any shows in the past few months? I have actually. I uh, what did I see? I saw. I went to see Coloured Water uh, on Thursday at the Public, which was phenomenal. It closes today, but that was a great show. 
I was lucky enough to go to the opening night of uh, Lackawanna Blues. Um, a friend of mine uh, had a spare ticket for opening night, so I went along. And uh, Ruben Santiago Hudson, his his sort of one man show with with a musician, on it was it was so good. It was absolutely brilliant. And then I saw a good friend of mine was understudying in Clyde for uh, for Uzo, and she actually got to she got to go on for a couple of performances. Um, Uzo had a carve out, so she got to go on, and I got to go. I got to see her make her Broadway debut in Lynn Nottage's Clyde's in the lead in the lead role. It's kind of an ensemble piece, but you know she's playing Clyde, and so that's that feeling of seeing this seeing a friend of mine making a debut on Broadway in this great show. It was just us. Oh, it was so wonderful. Um, so having that experience also like adds to the hope that things are coming back and mm-hmm. it, it's not a hundred percent, but the more that things like that, stories like that filter through to us that like, yeah, I can be positive again for the first time rather than living in like my deep entrenched cynicism, which I'm sure we all recognize as New Yorkers. We can live in cynicism, but sometimes it's really nice to, to allow that hope to, uh, to bloom. So I, And this was the kind of the choice. It was like being respectful of the science and the rules. I'll go to a show. um, I'll go to these shows, but I'm not going to go eat at restaurants all the time because I want to be able to, you know, be responsible. I'll go to shows. I haven't been to the cinema yet. I haven't, you know, gone to uh, see like uh, live music yet, all of which are normal parts of our, our routines. But going to see plays, one, to support, and two, because I've jonesing for it is like it has been my choice of the last few months of like right that's the thing that i'll allow myself to do it feels safe with vaccine checks uh, everyone wears masks it's very well enforced and all of that stuff and i i love being able to be part of it again you know so uh, i hush buddy i know i know i know i know it's terrible um but seeing but seeing live theater like happening in front of you is just it's such an edifying experience again so uh i i do like cheerlead for new york city theater as much as you can go see shows if there is something and you feel and you feel safe enough then uh strong recommend to, to see something if you can you have done stage, you've done commercial, you're now doing audio books. Are there jobs that you like better than others, like in certain mediums or, or it's all just kind of work to you? It's, um, I, I love, I'm lucky. I, you know, I, I do it because I love it all. I do, I do get into um, sort of a mental ruts of just wanting the different experience and wanting the different version. Like if I've constantly been doing, um, film or tv you know that that style there is a big part of me that like i'll go to take an acting class at at the at the studio uh because they work on theater scenes and so it's it's you know it's it's like going to the gym you flex different muscles flex different muscles and uh audiobooks are great for that too like it's great work um you know get to sit in a studio and hopefully the material that you're reading is engaging but you also you get to jump around and i have to do different voices and different accents and and also find you find a voice respectful of the author in that situation which in theater you get a lot of that but in film you know it's it can be a little more like all right i'm bringing a lot to this writer's work um 
it's I don't I don't have a, a preference. I I do think I having been lucky enough to to get this to get the that experience of rehearsing um you know a, a McDonough play for Broadway, I do like really feel the need to have the balance of all these different things and not just get stuck in one. Um but that's uh that that would be a very um that's you know that'll feel like i've i've made it is that's what it's going to be is going to be like not having a picture on the subway that gets defaced although that does mean that you kind of made it in new york <laughs> but uh, it's is being able to like create that balance between film tv and audiobooks and all that's when i'll feel like right this is the kind of career that i wanted to build um as opposed to my my mindset you know when i was 24 i was going to be a movie star at 26 and doing this and then then i can go back and do plays and all that stuff which was i mean let's be honest it was naive and pretty fucking stupid <laughs> well but then you start getting your hands dirty yeah. and you start you start thinking like you just said like how do i make a career out of this yeah. and it's by doing all those different things yeah right yeah yeah for sure yeah and yeah. and the networks that you like you come up with uh and then the the people that you uh, you get to sort of continually work with um it's it's great it's just it's it's great it's um it's fulfilling i i have a a group uh not a group well hey it's kind of a group so monday nights traditionally the night that you know broadway shows are dark uh we have a little uh, sort of gathering of people and we'll say we'll read this play but we'll cast it against type and see how that plays and it's a group of actors and then oh it turns out you're a musician so you don't want to read this play but you've got a guitar and you want to play a song yeah play a song so we have like a a two-hour lab session and it's just a nice sort of safe space for people to come and do whatever they want and like putting that network together isn't something that comes out of just film that's you know film actors that's writers stand-up comedian who really wants to maybe move into acting because if you can do stand up, you're brave enough to do anything because that is fucking terrifying, that stuff. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it's, you know, find, find, find the balance. But it's also I was talking about with George, it's subjective. Like I know some people absolutely love being on set and that's where they thrive and they just don't have that for first stage. And it's up to you, man. It's up to you. Whatever makes you happy. And <laughs> at this point, whatever you can get, you know, whatever you can get. Yeah. Well, that's how you build the career. Yeah. Is you, yeah. Whatever you can get. Yeah. yeah. At first. So Sebastian, I've got this yes, massive question I have to ask you. Okay. Wait, wait. For me, wait. me personally, yeah. I don't like it when Americans play British. I think it's sure. ridiculous and sure. awful. Actually, I don't think, I, I don't think I like when American actors do any kind of accent. So Leonardo DiCaprio being South African kind of takes me out of the movie. Don Cheadle. Uh, are we talking did. about House of Gucci here? I'm just like, just, 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 I'm not into it. Uh, Don Cheadle in the Oceans movies. I'm like, I don't know what this is. Uh, Renee, so we're going to give you a pass because I didn't have yeah. a relationship with you before that. So as far as I'm concerned, you're probably British. I didn't know. <laughs> with that being said, on the other end of that, I find that, uh, English can do actually a pretty decent American accent, sometimes even better than I talk. So (laughs) what is the secret to doing an American accent? 
Well, because I've heard you do. Uh, well, thank you, thank you. That was uh, kind of Dave to give me the uh, the the trust that he did when we worked together uh, with two different two different American accents. Um, I think the again, like we talked about a little bit, there's it's very accent work. You some people have a great ear and can just do it, and uh, I envy those people their talent. Um, otherwise, there it, it it's very technical. It's you know you you got to learn phonetics and. If you uh, can learn phonetics and you can really nail it, it's a lot of grunt work. I think the English playing American thing is, especially for uh, for actors, maybe over the age of, I don't know, maybe it's still true, but growing up in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, American culture was dominant globally. So we grew up with American accents in our ears. We all we were hearing it every day in in film, in TV, you know, uh, uh, singing, uh, pop music, all that stuff. There was a constant sound of America. So we're used to hearing it, I think. And I don't think unless you grew up in a house where you could only get like PBS, I don't know if it uh, the English sounds filtered into American consciousness that much. And so coming up against something that you're hearing for the first time is much more difficult, you know? And, but something you've been hearing all your life, you kind of adjust because you've been making jokes of in American accents when, you know, you're in your teens and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I think that is as close, as close to an answer to that enormous question <laughs> that I can, that I can get for you, George. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I've also like, I do also know some, uh, some American actors who get, very irritated by British actors coming in and uh, stealing their jobs and doing their American accents because they can always tell. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. You can always tell. <laughs> no, you can't always tell. You can't. <laughs> you can't. No. Well, and I think uh, we were talking about it before uh, you jumped on about like there's something in like the southern dialect in the country that like people from the UK seem to have like a a natural like pathway to for some reason. I don't know yeah. what the technical things are. I think there's a there's a there's a rhythm and a, like a tonal rhythm as well that reflects well. I mean, I'm sure you guys know you know the uh, the the idea that uh, you know in small parts of uh, the like the southern Appalachians that that there's actually like that's Shakespearean time dialect. They still use that dialect in certain areas, and of course there are commonalities. You know in in uh, in the evolution of of these accents, uh, I think the the musicality of southern accents is is a big part of it. I, Aaron, my partner, is constantly like, "Stop moving your mouth so much. Stop trying to put all this stuff in. Stop. You, you, your British inflection is what gives me away when we're making tapes. Flatten it out, especially for general American. You know, you flatten it out. You flatten it out. Like, I mean, New York has. Bronx accent, Brooklyn accent, Staten Island accent, they're all different. That's in one city, let alone a country this big. And the UK is kind of the same. Like, you know, Liverpool and Manchester aren't that far apart. But if you say to someone from Liverpool, oh, that's a Manchester accent, you will get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. And, and vice versa, probably. And vice versa, yeah. And so and I, I, apparently it's the same, you know, like Tennessee and Kentucky. To my ear, you're kind of from somewhere around there. But if you're from there, you you, you hear it, you know. Um, 
Amen. I just want to say quickly, I really appreciate you saying that as someone from Mississippi who grew up as an actor. um, It's yeah, you're absolutely right. There are different sounds from different areas of just the U.S., like Southeast. So yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Absolutely. But again, George, it's like like, like we talked about, it's you got to you got to be specific and you got to do the work. Like I can, if someone says a slight Southern accent to me, I'm like, okay, but where's this character from? Oh, they were born in Florida. They weren't born in Texas. So they're not going to just sound fucking Texan. Like just Mm-mm. do the work, do the work. Um, I, as I've gotten, you know, older and uh, ornerier, I've, uh, I've, I've realized that that, that is one of the the biggest things of like, do the work. It's it is uh, it's a job. You don't just show up and it happens. Um, and I can feel in my own my own self these days. I know that I need to do that. Whereas in my mid twenties, I was lazier and I wouldn't necessarily do. And I'd, you know, it's also being a straight white British male in New York. I I could float along on the privilege of that identity, and people respond to it in a certain way, and I just live in that. But it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't honest work, and that's why I struggled for a while. When I started really working, that's when things sort of started happening. Um, and you know, there's a big, big conversation in that. But, but especially bartending, like I got a job as a bartender because I had an English accent, not because I knew what I was doing, not because I'd ever done it before, but an English accent behind the bar in New York brought a certain amount of custom and the bar made money and I made money. But there were a lot of people who'd worked as bartenders who also wanted to work as bartenders and, you know, work in the service industry to open their own place that would have been much better than I was. But I, uh, I kind of skated into it. And then I realized, Oh damn, no, I, I can't just do that. I have to work. Like I have to learn how to do this. I have to know how to do that. And then it became more fun too, because it became an engaged process. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like talented sportsmen are great and they can be individuals, talented actors, talented creatives, but unless you sit down and do the work, like kind of, kind of what's the point? Yeah. Well, Michael Jordan wasn't only the most talented player. He also worked the hardest, you know, that's the, that's the moral. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, you know, nepotism aside, it's the same. It's the same for actors. Uh, A lot of these big stars, however they got there to stay there is because they do work. They do a lot of work. They work very, very hard. Um, And, and that's kind of, it's kind of inspiring too. like gives you some control a little, you know, it's like, I know if I work hard, it might not, get rewarded instantly but the working hard does pay off um so you know starting starting to sound uh a a little uh preachy but but that's that's kind kind of what it is uh sebastian when i when i whenever we do this we we do a lot of preparation for uh whenever we have a guest and i watched a reel and there was an episode of um law and order that you were on in which she played actually an Englishman, but you have a line in the in the, under the reel in which she goes like, "Football, the real football." Yeah, which I felt yeah. like you weren't acting when you said that out loud. 
I was, uh, luckily enough, uh, Peter Scandavino, who's in that scene with me, uh, and I are friends. We share a manager, so that was a really fun day, anyway. And I get to, I just got to look him in the eye because he's he's a big hockey fan. No, who knows why? But uh, it, so it was really nice to just like really taunt him with the fact that we play uh, you know proper sports in in England, <laughs> and, uh, and then bring that to the process. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I wanted. You're bring you're bringing it. I'd love to hear just you know right before we get into our game because we are talking about uh, soccer <laughs> uh, or for football, whatever. I don't really care. Um, football is fine with me, but uh, I'd love to hear from you about the culture in the in the UK. You know because it's something that don't think you can really find in the states. Like a lot of people watch the Super mm-hmm. Bowl, you know per se, but like there are some football matches that every single person in certain areas are watching yeah yeah. from like the toddlers to the old women oh yeah you know yeah i it's i think that very much still comes from um like your 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 club your your football team was representative of your of your area of your community you know what I mean? It was very, still very tied to identity that way. And I've found like sort of a similarity with um, some like college sports, like my partner's from Ohio and OU, like going out on a Friday night, uniform is OU jerseys and OU caps, and, like fancy, fancy fucking restaurants. If you're not wearing OU, I think it's OU. God, I hope I got this right. Um, but but you know, it's like and everyone in the town. It's Friday Night Lights kind of thing. OS, OSU, Ohio OSU, State. right? Yeah. Um, and, and and so that is kind of similar. But it, you know, England is a smaller smaller place, so I think it just gets it gets sort of distilled. Um, but it's you know, my my little brother. We're not from Manchester. I don't know if he's ever been to Manchester. But he's a Manchester United fan because they were winning when he was, you know, eight, nine. And so he chose. Look, that's how I ended up being a, a Spurs fan was 1991 FA Cup, Paul Gascoigne, top corner. Thanks very much. That's a whole lifetime of pain since. But that's why like, I'm not from I'm not from the area. But it's but it's still the case that like it's it define it can be defining and been around for 120 years and these clubs have been the same they don't they don't migrate like wait the, the rams were once in st, st. louis like what yeah, yeah. like that there's all sorts of yeah, yeah. That. so like you know i you know people whose great grandfather might have played for that club and so the entire family have been fans that long also there's still there is also a large part of english society that doesn't give a shit about the football you know what I mean? So stop, stop. He does. He, he cares. Uh, but I think, I think that's what it is. I think that's where it comes from in my, um, my very humble, very uninformed opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's like it a religious experience for a yeah. lot of people. I mean, you look at, you take an example like Barcelona, that is, that represents the Catalan identity and then the history of, the Catalans against, you know, the rest of the Spanish, uh, you know, uh, Franco and his fascism and him being a Real Madrid thing. And that's why that rivalry. And, and so it's it's so entwined, not just in, um, it's not just sport, it's entwined in identity and history. Um, 
you know, and for better or worse as well, you know, the, the like sometimes grudges are held because of the football or through the football when you don't remember what or how it started and, and all of that. But I think, I think things are getting better in that, but I think, yeah, it's identity and history that these clubs represent. That's why it becomes such a thing. And it's been global for a hundred years, you know, they were playing football all over the world. Totally. Which, which is a, which is a, a history of um, colonialization aspect. Uh, yeah. It's part of that, I think. You know? Yeah, totally. And it's like, you'd only need a, you only need a, a sphere to play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't need something yeah. kind of round and can move. Something kind of round and 20 yards squared. Yeah. And exactly. you can make some version of it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's a great place to uh, go ahead and get into our game here. What do you say, George? Yeah, that's the part that I've been really terrified about because all of your guests are hilarious and they nailed this game. I'm sure you're going <sighs> to do great. <laughs> well, you know, George, is, George started strong with the, uh, the SantaCon Dave Matthews thing. So uh, I'm just, I'm just gonna tr- trying to hang. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he does this professionally, so we neither <laughs> none of us should feel uh, we have oh, to hold up to There's, there's the weight. There's the yeah. weight lifted. Yeah. Weight lifted. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so here at the Know Your Rose podcast, what we do is we take two things that seemingly have nothing to do with each other, and we try to make them a connection to them. And for your episode, Sebastian, we're doing soccer players in peer dramas. We each do five. I go first, Dave goes second, and you, as our distinguished guest, will go third. So, my first soccer player um, is one of my favorite soccer players out there. I like him because I like his face. He's 6'4". He looks like an English street thug from a Guy Ritchie movie, and I'm talking about Harry Maguire, who's a center back for for, for Manchester. <laughs> I know he's like uh, he's kind of rough and tumble. I've never heard him speak, but he looks like a scary dude and a dude I don't want to mess with. So the period drama that I have for my guy Harry Maguire is Gladiator, somebody you do not want to mess with. Dave. Yeah, definitely. I don't want to mess with any of those people involved. Um, all right, my first soccer player is someone I really, really enjoy watching. It's mostly because he has the combination of speed and quickness, but power and that's uh romelo lukaku uh-huh who is a belgian player but he also plays for chelsea uh which i know we're not supposed to like um yeah yeah <laughs> um but i love watching him play he's like i said he's extremely strong but he, and you like you can't take him off the ball but he's very smooth and his finesse game is like also really on point which is why as a period drama, he's Peaky Blinders, Peaky Blinders, <laughs> fast and like brutal, but fun. You have fun watching it. And, you know, you got to have fun watching Lukaku play. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, who should I start with? Okay. So uh, <clears throat> my first soccer player is um, one of the all-time greats, uh, uh, George Best. Play, you know, Northern Irish played for Manchester United. He was brash. He was brilliant. He had a major problem with the booze and he retired at like 26 because of that. So we never got to see, you know, like a full career from him. We never got to see as much as we probably would have hoped for or deserved. And uh, so, yeah, finished far too early. And that is why George Best. Deadwood 
period drama. <laughs> brilliant and boozy. There you go. See, uh, right off the bat, you're 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 on point. So yeah, I started, I started with a strong one. It's only going to get me through this <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you're going to be great. That's that was awesome. All right, my next one is uh, is more of an indictment of uh, the team as it is uh, the player, and it's also a player I thoroughly enjoy watching, and that's Kylian Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe is an elite player, and I think PSG has got two other elite players on that team with Neymar and Messi, but I don't think they're an elite team, which is why Kylian Mbappe and PSG are the gangs of New York appear dramas. Elite talent, Scorsese, elite talent, DiCaprio, but I don't think that's an elite movie. Dave, no, it's a it's fine. And PSG, like they can't make though all those three guys. Someone's gonna have to go, right? Eventually, Sebastian. I'm. Assuming. I, I think so. I, I I mean, it's gonna be Mbappe. It's gonna be Killian. So? I think he's gonna go to. I think he's gonna go to Madrid. Correct. I think he's wanted yeah. to forever. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. All right. My next one is a player who I feel like in the last like year or so, we've learned that he's kind of a shit bag as like a human or he said some like obnoxious things about LeBron, but he is someone who's like everything he says it is like something you're like, wait, what? <laughs> um, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And that's Zlatan. And, uh, <laughs> and like also on the, on the pitch, like on the field, he, he does incredible things. I mean, this is a guy who's like, he has like a 30 yard bicycle kick goal. Yeah. And he, yeah. and he hits goals from like the midline, like I, things that before I saw him do not being like a soccer expert, I didn't even know could be done. You know what I mean? All um, right. Uh, and, but he's like wild and like super out there. Not what you would expect from like one of the faces of the sport. Um, which is why he is the favorite uh, from Carlos <laughs> So, um, yeah, that movie is super weird, and and it's got like a you know it follows like a traditional kind of structure. We it's something that like you think you know what this is, but it it takes us on a lot of twists and turns. The characters aren't really likable, um, but they are very entertaining, like Zlatan. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, the favorite. Zlatan. Interesting. Okay. I see. I, I too, weirdly, out of the myriad possibilities, picked Zlatan as one. And I had him as, you know, kind of an OG because he's, what, 73 years old so at this point? He's been around forever. Yeah. Right? He's certainly an all-time, all-time great, no matter what. Like, there, without, without Zlatan, there is no World Cup. Like, things like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a love-hate thing. Like, some people absolutely love it. Some people really hate it. And it never seems to come to an end. Like, he went to L.A. a couple of years, and then that's supposed to be the end of your career. And now he's back playing Champions League football for Milan. So all of that is kind of, it's pride and prejudice. It's an all-time great. Some people love it. Some people hate it. And it always seems to be around. Yes, and it will be around forever. And yeah, and will always be around. And Zlatan is like, I think legitimately he's like 42. Yeah. And, and yeah, he's back. Like, yeah, you don't go back. He went back to Europe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like elite, elite level yeah, Europe yeah, as well. That's crazy. Yeah. George. So I actually watch more soccer than uh than I than I let on. And my favorite team uh in the world is the Netherlands. Uh Shout out to my guy, Robin Van Persie, one of my favorite players of all time. But I'm not talking about him. 
I'm talking about this 5'9 Dynamo, my guy in Memphis. I'm with a college in Memphis, so shout out to me and shout out to Memphis. <laughs> this has got nothing to do with him as a soccer player, what I'm about to talk okay. about. What I'm going to talk about <laughs> is him as a rapper. Now, whenever athletes rap, I'm really annoyed. I'm like, why are they doing this? But he actually is not bad. He's got this song called No Love about his uh, about this, the marriage that, that, was, that, that never happened. And he wrote a rap song about it, and I kind of enjoyed it. So I was pleasantly surprised that my man Memphis is a pretty decent rapper, which is why he is the phantom threat of period dramas, because I was pleasantly surprised how much I like that movie. <laughs> awesome. Boom. Boom. That's it. That's excellent. Awesome. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, all right. My next one is someone who, when I was a kid, I was saying I, I didn't watch a lot of, of soccer. It wasn't something that was high on my radar, but this was a person that, pretty much everybody knew about and that's Mia Hamm. Mia Hamm, you know, Nash US national women's soccer hero, uh but she was I don't know if people remember but in the 90s as like just a celebrity, she was huge. I mean, she was Michael Jordan level. She was literally in commercials with Jordan where they're like competing against each other. Um you know, which is great and she had a very long career and full of memorable moments, which is why she is Amadeus as a period drama, which like super fucking long, <laughs> but really worth it and was super highly celebrated. And I feel like, I mean, I personally haven't watched it in many years, but I feel like it's still celebrated. It's a good movie. Yeah, I feel like I would still uh, like it. Shout out to F. Murray Abraham, who's fucking incredible as Salieri in that movie. He's insanely good in that movie. Yeah, and it won a ton of awards. Yeah. And yeah, so Mia Hamm. Yeah. Nice. Uh, okay. Well, sticking with your theme, uh, I have uh, Megan Rapino. She, uh, you know, she's uh, she's a little bit different. She's, uh, she's a lot sexy, occasionally sublime on the pitch. And... Uh, she, uh, you know, she brings the issues and uh, got nothing but love for her. But uh, that is why she is the gentleman Jack. Nice. I actually yeah, haven't, huh? uh, I haven't watched that. It's, it's good. It's good. And that's the thing. It's like, it's good. It's where it comes kind of out of left field. And then all of a sudden it's kind of all you can read about or, see, or talk about. It's a very sexy show. It's a little bit different. Brings the issues. Megan <laughs> nice. Awesome. That's, I'm going to, I want to watch Gentleman Jack now. That's a good endorsement. <laughs> George. So my next one is a bit of an odd choice, but I'm kind of an odd guy. Uh, I'm from Virginia and where I'm from in Virginia, where basically uh, the high school I went to is a soccer power. So I'm going to show a little love to somebody who's from my hometown. And that is Allie Krieger, pride Ooh. of Penn State. What's up? Shout out. Let's go Dumfries, Virginia. Uh, Krieger in German means warrior, and Ali Krieger on the women's national team, her nickname is uh, the Warrior Princess. So if I'm if she's the Warrior Princess, I'm gonna call her up like a, a a period drama from about a warrior. So Ali Krieger, Northern Virginia, what's up? She is the brave heart of period dramas. Dave, this is one that it didn't really work out. <laughs> Didn't really work out for the soccer player. Didn't really work out for the movie or for the period drama. But there was reasons for hope. And the soccer player I'm talking about is Freddie Adu. Tough. tough yeah. Boy. Yeah. Freddie Adu, of course, signed at 
age 14 by DC United of the MLS. And he, Freddie Adu was literally called the next Pele, mm-hmm. um, which like, I mean, being from Chicago, anytime anyone uh, in the late nineties to like two thousands was called baby Jordan. It was like, Oh, that guy's career is over. Um, <laughs> like, so seriously, because you cannot live up to that. You cannot no. live up to that period. No. You're talking about the greatest person player ever in, in Pele. Most like, I mean, any it's argument strong, strong shout for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, like I said, he was signed at 14. He had some moments. He played for the national team. I think he's still playing in uh, he's the Premier Sweden, League. I think oh, Sweden. Okay. Um, you know, so he's had a career. He made he made it happen. Uh, but he he never became the yeah. superstar that he was supposed to become. And that is why, as a period drama, it is Marie Antoinette from <laughs> Sofia Coppola, which she was coming off of Lost in Translation, which was like the biggest fucking hit. That they never, that nobody ever predicted, and her first film was Virgin Suicides, which is very good. Yeah, uh, and it's Kirsten Dunst, Jason Schwartzman, it's you know uh, whatever that age, Gilded Age, or whatever the fuck France. Um, uh, yeah. uh, so it's beautiful costumes and wardrobes, but it's also like like a 1990s emo movie. Like it's it's weird and it just doesn't really work for me personally. And it was a bomb. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's why uh, Freddie Adu, Marie Antoinette. But she's gone on to make other good movies. So like, you know. So there's hope. So that's what you're telling Freddie. There's hope, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, a career's still good. Like he had yeah. a career. Yeah. He's playing like he's for 30, 33 or some shit and he's still playing. So yeah, fair yeah. enough. All right. So I got next one I have is uh, Iniesta, Andres Iniesta. Uh, he's... Uh, you know, he was obviously incredible, but he was kind of quiet in the background, does all of the good work, generally accepted as one of the best and, you know, kind of for reasons only the experts understand, but everyone loves playing with him. And that's why Iniesta is Outlander. I don't know. I don't watch it, but apparently it's brilliant. And <laughs> everyone who loves it, loves it, loves it. So... I guess I guess that's what it is. You know, you, you just can't argue with it anymore. It's like, okay, yeah, I guess we're just accepting it. Outlander is one of those things. I've also never seen it, but people who like it really like it. Like it's just, a, it's a thing. Yeah, they'll they'll try and convert you. Yeah. 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 So I buy that. And Iniesta, he is one of those players. There you go. Mary Bess is a fan. Um, um Iniesta is one of those players that he did. He's like a basketball player that they would call like a dirty work player, like doing yeah. all the, the small things and like setting his teammates up for success. Yeah. And every, everyone who, uh, everyone who knows about it loves it and like loves playing with them. So yeah, totally, totally George, uh, real quick for you, dude did it Jojo. So that's kind of, that's quite the W. So we'll go ahead and start with that. Fair enough. Um, now everybody I've mentioned are all people who I thoroughly enjoy watching and watching them play, whether it's Ali Krieger, just from my hometown. Harry Maguire, Kylian Mbappe, Memphis Dupay. But I'm going to do a little shout-out to my favorite player on the planet. And he plays on the Colombian national team, and that is my guy, Jaime Rodriguez. Anybody who's ever seen that 2014 goal that he had against Uruguay, you would instantly became a fan. He actually won the Golden Boot in FIFA in 2014-14 that lost in the quarters. That's quite the accomplishment. I was just going to say, that goal, like, he went to Madrid on the back of that goal. He's such a good player. He's he's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So seeing that I said that was my favorite, 
And uh, this movie has already been mentioned. This is one of my favorite period, period dramas of the past few years. And shout out to Olivia Coleman, awesome in this movie. So Jaime Rodriguez is the favorite of period dramas, Dave. All right, my last one. This is for people, <laughs> if there's anybody out there who thinks that sport is not an art form, I would highly, highly recommend you watch videos of Ronaldinho with a soccer ball anywhere fucking near him from age eight or six or whatever mm -hmm. to like whatever, 40, mm -hmm. whatever he is now. Um, but he, he lit the, of course, the Brazilian player I, I'm speaking of, he played for Barcelona um, as well. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, had a, had a mm -hmm. very good career. But he is like poetry in motion. I mean, he he is like, uh, you know, like a Kyrie Irving with the basketball. Like nobody else can do the things he can do. And he, I feel like he, I, you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like he did kind of, he was a very modern player when he was playing. And like maybe more players are starting to look like yeah. and play the game like him than they were before him. Uh, with that like razzle dazzle finesse. Yeah. But like there's a lot of, there was a lot of substance there. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Constant movement and so beautiful when it's when it's uh when it's going, which is why as a period drama, it's Gosford Park, which is a fucking masterclass in camera <laughs> movement and Robert Altman fucking Ugh. 10 different characters talking at the same time. Uh but it's poetry in motion. Love, you know, it moves so movie. well and like it works. Uh yeah, and it's you know again Altman and Ronaldinho style of play. Look, those are things that are heavy influences on the future generations. So yeah, Ronaldinho. That boy. Gasford Park. Ronaldinho. Nice. All right, I'm gonna round this off. I uh, I wanted to uh, do um, Erling Braut Holland, the young uh, Norwegian player. Uh, young exploded into our consciousness. Everyone's talking about it. Untested long term. That is why Bridgerton. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the proof will be in the pudding, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're gonna have to spend a whole bunch of money on season two. Yeah, and uh, someone's gonna have to spend a whole bunch of money on Holland. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's that's what I got. That's what I got. Well done. Your yeah. fears should be allayed because you you did a great job oh, thank you thank you thank you all right thank well you. i think uh you know we we did it before we let you out of here why don't you tell us what you got going on now where people can find you and, and what uh sure. you know you're up to uh i uh you can find me at you know all the usual places uh and it's just at sebastian beacon that's me uh, i've got a couple of short films uh one to come out i've got one on itunes available i've got two feature films i've got parts in one called time now and one called the last thing mary saw those are both available to rent uh on amazon i think and fingers crossed i should have some good news about some something next year so fingers crossed can't really talk about it yet but hopefully by the time I see you next, Dave, I will be uh, be able to share some some good news too. So, so that's what's happening. 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, I wish you luck in that for sure. Thank you very much. Watch the trailer for Time Now and you play a character named Gonzo and I can't wait to see this movie. So uh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. And send Aaron my love and uh, hopefully we can get her on here someday. Sounds like a plan. She's frightfully busy and important, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good problem to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just hanging on to those coattails. Lovely. Well, happy holidays to you, Sebastian. Please take care. Take care. All right. Thank you so much to Sebastian Beacon. Follow him on social media at Sebastian Beacon. Check out his website, SebastianBeacon.net. Watch his films, Time Now, streaming on iTunes, and The Last Thing Mary Saw. Yeah, that was great. I, as you can tell, I'm I do have a great relationship with Sebastian. I really love him. Uh, I of course love to listen. I'm guilty of of loving that accent. Uh, um, um, and when he when he did uh, work with me in, in the short that I I wrote, um, and he came like I I was considering having him actually just use his normal accent because it, it probably would have worked as well. And, and I just, I, I like it a lot. Uh, but when he came with like this Southern States, like dialect, I, I was blown away and, and uh, you know, it was like, awesome. We'll definitely go with this. All right. Now we're going to go ahead and go into last call where we talk about things we're looking forward to and what we got going on, George, what's going on. Well, I'm only looking forward to one thing, and that's one thing only, and is the season finale of the best show on TV and one of the best shows in the past, like, 20 years. I know, Dave, and I know Mary Beth, you don't watch it, but I highly implore you both to watch Succession. It is operating on another level. And please read that New Yorker article about uh, Jeremy Strong because he is a his, – his, his life story is fascinating. And uh, there hasn't been an actor just sort of – just – just tear up a role like this for HBO in quite some time. And I think he's on that same level as Gandolfini and Tony Soprano. It is a show that is blowing my mind this season. And it's on, it's got like, it's got like throwaway actors on it, like Justin Kirk and Adrian Brody. And they're just sort of just hanging out for like a, like a day or two doing the show. So it's uh, the season finale of the session is the show's the series. The season has been awesome. So that's the only thing I'm looking forward to. Now, Dallas watching, maybe I'll watch that, probably. But I'm really looking forward to Succession. What about you, Dave? Yeah, um, yeah, you and almost everybody I know. Um, I, I've uh, planted my foot foot in the sand as far as I'm just, I'm going to watch it like after everyone is done talking about it. After it's long done, um, I'm at the point now. So I'll, I'll watch. we can talk about it in like five years. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, the uh, only couple of small things I'm looking forward to is one, um, my brother, Matt, he has just opened uh, a bar restaurant in Chicago. It's called The Marvel Chicago. It's downtown. You can check out their website at themarvelchicago.com. And yeah, he just opened it up. They're waiting on their liquor license. They're just doing BYOB right now, but it's a really awesome space downtown on Clark street, 736 North Clark. 
you know, he was a bartender for a long time and he also used to promote uh, events at, at different bars and venues. And he's bringing a lot of those different talents to, to this uh, project. And there's going to be live music and there's an art gallery space in there as well. Great cocktail program. So yeah, if you're in Chicago, check out the Marvel give uh, you know, I'm giving some family love. But uh, anyway, the only other thing is another HBO show, which is The Landscapers, which is like uh, with Olivia Coleman, who we mentioned before, and uh, David Thewlis, who are incredible. And it's like a true crime story of like people that killed their parents when they were teenagers and then like lived a long life. It was, I don't know, some crazy shit. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, looks good. All right, that's it for me. And we're going to go ahead and check in with our favorite regular producer, Mary Bess, for MB's booth. What do you got for us, Mary Bess? Thanks, Dave. Um, so today, it's Saturday, December 11th, and I want to talk about a couple of things that have happened over the last week. So the Supreme Court ruled on Friday, December 10th, that abortion providers in Texas can challenge the September 2021 state law banning most abortions after six weeks. But the Supreme Court has refused to block the law in the meantime, saying that lower courts should consider the matter. So although being able to challenge this law is good news, the Supreme Court's decision makes it seem ever more likely that the federal protections around bodily autonomy and the right to a safe and legal abortion will be stripped away, particularly as the Supreme Court continues to consider a case in Mississippi that has the power to completely overturn Roe v. Wade opening the floodgates to state-sanctioned anti-abortion laws and challenging a well-established federal protection, which in turn threatens the security of other established civil rights like gay marriage and adoption, to name a few. So we want to keep an eye on what's happening there. So in some good news, on Thursday, December 9th, New York City became the largest municipality in the U.S. to allow non-citizens to vote in local elections. In a vote of 33 to 14, the Democrat-controlled city council passed the measure known as Our City, Our Vote, which stipulates that non-citizens who have lived in the city for at least 30 days and are legal permanent residents in the U.S., including green card holders, individuals with worker permits, and DACA holders, will be allowed to vote in city elections, including mayor, public advocate, borough president, and city council. This is very, very good news. Anu Joshi, vice president of policy at New York Immigrant Coalition, commented, quote, this is set to be a transformative piece of legislation that will really ensure that all New Yorkers, non-citizen New Yorkers who live here, who are raising children here, who shop in our stores, who own small businesses, have the opportunity to have a say in our democracy. We think that we all will be better off when people who are invested in this city are able to participate in our democracy, end quote. The legislation is set to go into effect January 2023. And I know I will look forward to that with a lot of excitement. That is uh, some really great news. And we didn't mention it with Sebastian, although we talked about uh, related stuff, but he would have, he would be a very big advocate for that as well, because, you know, as we mentioned, he just became a citizen, but you know, for many years that I knew him, I mean, shit, he lived here for 14 or so, some odd years before he could have a say in who gets elected in, in the city he lives in, you know, even in the district, in the local district, um, you know, as a taxpaying citizen, he should have had that right. So yeah, that's gonna, 
it's going to help. It helps. Yeah. Opening up avenues to voting rights is al- always yes. a good thing. Always a good yes. thing. Especially when it comes to reimagining how the U.S. welcomes and adopts people from other countries. Yeah. We, have a, we have a long way to go, but this is a really nice step. Sweet. Thank you so much for, uh, for that time in the booth, MB. You're welcome. I'm going to go back to my cocktail now. Where are my tater tots? <laughs> they're they're coming. There was an there was an accident okay. in the kitchen. All right, as long as I get my tots. All right, George, why don't you tell our listeners what we got going on on our next show? So, listeners, as we're going to be taking a break from the Rose Podcast for the holidays, and normally I would just say it was like we've got so and so on this date, but I've got a quick little story about our next guest. I'm bartending, and I've been bartending the last five nights, and been very, very busy shifts. And in that moment between songs, in which you you can't hear anything, you just heard maybe the two people in front of you talking, and these two guys were talking, and they one of them goes, "You know who is pretty fucking awesome? Sam Corbin." And Dave, that is our guest, January fourteenth, writer, performer, pun champion. Sam Corbin. That is enough uh, for me to be excited. Overhearing uh, that they're fucking awesome in a bar is, that's pretty good. (laughs) Pretty good pedigree. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to go ahead and wrap up this show. I want to say thank you very much to our listeners. Thank you to producer Mary Best. Thank you to George. Thank you to our designer, Amanda Zeller and Nate 88, Alan Zach Kid and Kazo Oslo for our theme song. Please subscribe, rate, and review to know your roles wherever you get your podcasts. And everybody, be safe and don't be an asshole. <laughs> and happy holidays, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> happy holidays. <laughs> you know the road, the road, the road, the road.